Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? You know, it's going pretty good. Um, I just got some new Mars Attacks trading cards in from our friends at uh, Sidekick. Oh, shit. Yeah, they actually are in the wax paper, like old trading cards. Man, you know, I didn't used to, I used to wonder like what the the appeal of trading cards was. And then the thing is that when you actually get a set of them from like a company and you're sort of like, oh, this feels nice. This is, this is good to have. Listen, I also wondered that, but I also collected non-sports trading cards fervently as a child. I had multiple three-ring binders filled with cards. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, the thing is, I play, I, I still play Magic the Gathering and, and Star Realms and, like, different CCGs, so I'm kind of like, I'm on board with that, but mostly, are there still people out there that are collecting baseball cards? I gotta cannot be, right? tell you that. I know people are actively collecting garbage pail kid cards oh sure and i know people are collecting like these new mars attacks cards mm-hmm. but i could not care less about baseball rookie cards no i, I feel like it's got to be like one dude in like iowa who has a cushioned toilet seat in like a rumpus room and like a huge stack of mad magazines who is still out here collecting trading cards like that's the only thing i can figure yeah it's one of those so what's weird to me is like monster kids mm-hmm. and baseball card collectors are like the same generation and it's like why did we have people obsessed with the saturday night chiller like movie showing mm-hmm. and those are not the people running our country the people running our country are crusty <laughs> baseball card collectors that's what it is although you know what it is i it is uh, i feel like aoc at the very least would probably like at the very least she probably collects like garbage pail kids cards or something like she's <laughs> vaguely What's on the it? pulse man honestly you know what it is with aoc She's, like, one of the first politicians in a very, very long time that my brain recognizes as, as, like, actually human. Like, with a lot of politicians, like, something kind of, like, slides over my brain, and I'm like, I don't know, they're like, they're like androids. Like, they have so much money, and they're so out of touch that they, they probably have, like, any, any similarity they have with the human condition has to be probably by accident. And AOC, like, I remember, um, I, I don't know if you, you saw an H-Bomber guy, um, He's a YouTube personality. He was doing a uh, live stream of himself uh, playing, I think, Donkey Kong 64 or something for this uh, trans charity in the UK. Um, And AOC popped into the stream to talk about Pokemon Snap and and socialism. And it was the greatest thing. And I feel like I'm such a mark because on one level, I'm like, you know, politicians are not your friend. They, you know, they're, you know, you should have an oppositional relationship with them at best. And I'm also like, I feel like AOC is my friend. She knows about Pokemon Snap. So I'm I'm as much of a rube as anyone, I think. You just gotta have the right pop culture references. As a person who is native to a state where our representatives have literally recently said women should just stay home with their children if they're so worried about getting childcare paid for. Jesus, um, Mary Joseph. <laughs> I'm oh. also into very liberal... Uh, politicians from states that i do not live in well and it's so fucking weird especially with tennessee because so many of the people we know in tennessee like it's it's weird to me that the rest of the state outside of like the group of people we know is like 
oh, no, we definitely hate women. Like, we definitely think they should all be barefooting in the kitchen. It's like, ah, oh. So, speaking of terrifying things and um, (laughs) Mars attacks, (laughs) did you ever have the um, 3.5-inch floppy disk game that came with the Mars attacks action figures? No, no. Honestly, Mars attacks, like, I remember I really wanted to go see it because it um, looked really scary, and my mom was like, like, she watched the trailer for it and was like, oh, absolutely not. And Tim Burton? No, fuck that. Um, yeah, so they I never got to. a woman's head to a dog and a dog's head to a woman. <sighs> Which is just good fun. I never actually. Um, so I, I never picked up any Mars Attacks, like, swag from the movie because I wasn't really allowed. So wait, they, they made a game on a floppy disk. Yeah, it was like a, you know how like some toys came with free comic books? Mm-hmm. In the late 90s, it's like, computer games, that's what the kids want. I mean, they're not wrong. I feel like, um, I don't know if you remember, God, there was this insane period of time in like the early, early 2000s, where I think it was like like Pizza Hut or something, would just send movies with the pizza. Oh like, yeah, that's where the Gargoyles movie came from, <laughs> I do believe. Yeah, that's. I remember I had, it was the weirdest thing, like, we ordered a pizza and got a copy of Don Juan DeMarco. What? <laughs> with, yeah, yeah, with Johnny Depp and Marlon Brando, and there is just, I'm, like, sitting at home watching this with my mom, and, like, there's just a huge fucking scene full of naked people, and, like, I think there's that moment when you're watching a movie with your parents where you're all just, like, white-knuckling it through this experience. <laughs> Because you're so fucking uncomfortable, and there, this is actually not as bad as the time that um, my mom and I decided to watch The Libertine with Johnny Depp, <laughs> and there is just straight up a scene with people wielding dildos in that movie, and it was I was I was I was praying for death. I think I've talked about on the show going to see Enemy at the Gates with my dad, and oh, just yeah. like wishing that the theater chair would eat me alive <laughs> during that sleeping. So like the sleeping, yeah, the sleeping bag, bag sex scene mm-hmm. is indelibly printed onto my brain. Yeah, You're, you don't get over a thing like recall, that. Recall Rachel Vice cries because. She is being hurt by how large his penis is. Yes, like in in this movie about what it's like. Is, is this during the Battle of Stalingrad? Yeah, or something? it's a, a sniper movie about Stalingrad, and they're like, the and f- now this sex scene. <laughs> this is okay. Right there, we have the uh, the intersection of boomer interests. Is like, listen, this is definitely about World War Two, but also my dick is so huge. Like, we definitely need both of those in the mix. Let's not for forget about that. Movie. And the non. It, the the everyone speaks in a British accent because I guess mm-hmm. if you're speaking Russian and German, the Queen's English is the only way to translate <laughs> it. It's very weird. This is actually so a thing speaking that I of love. Stressful things. So this Mars Attacks game that came mm-hmm. with a, these action figures was a Martian repair game. So like Martians come oh. in and their helmets are cracking and if you recall from the original from the movie if you've mm-hmm. ever seen it or wait uh, have you seen mars attacks i've 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 uh one time when i was donating plasma for 20 bucks um i they had it on the tv and i watched a scene with danny <laughs> devito and that's all i remember that's all i got okay so they can't handle earth's oxygen it makes their brains blow up Oh, yeah, yeah, it just, like, explodes into goo in their little little helmets. Yeah, so the game is fixing Martian helmets, but it's, like, impossible. You have to, like, take a blowtorch and temper the glass or, like, 
patch it with little band-aids and stuff Mm -hmm. and they all just die and they scream as they die and, and, and the makers of this game are like, listen, I know what kids like in a video <laughs> game. I'm pretty sure I know what video games are like. They like futility. Well, to be Definitely. fair, all games from that era made me cry in frustration. Yeah, just sheer rage tears. Actually, they're not wrong with, you know what kids love? Futility. Like, <laughs> because for me, I, I had two genres of futility, which was... Uh, trying to land the plane in Top Gun and uh, for NES and just, like, crying out of uh, impotent rage. And then the other one was, like, the other computer games we had during that period were, like, Mist uh, and Riven. And so it was just, like, point-and-click puzzle games. Nothing it's will nothing. happen. It's nothing. It's, it's, uh, it's you staring at a mural and clicking and occasionally, like, something happens, but you don't know what it is, and it's just the most boring thing in the world. But your parents give it to you because they're like, I don't know, they like the Vidja games. So, <laughs> so what, what ghoul shit have you been into this week, Ryan? Oh, Jesus. So this week, I have been, uh, I'm almost done with uh, the Twisted Ones uh, by uh, T. Kingfisher, which is the uh, nom de plume of uh, Ursula Vernon, and it is fucking terrifying, the Twisted Ones. Have you Have you heard anything about it? You know, I was scrolling through Amazon the other day um, mm-hmm. because I am trying to beef up on my LGBTQ um, plus. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I've for, I, I think I'm forgetting <laughs> some of the. the no, no, you're good. So I'm trying to but to like beef up on my queer romance and my queer mm-hmm. YA because it turns out there's a lot of really good stuff coming out right now. There definitely and is. And T Kingfisher popped up on my um, Amazon algorithm, but I have not read any of those books yet. Yeah, I honestly I have never read uh, Ursula Vernon uh, stuff, but uh, T King, which is also weird because of like how huge Ursula Vernon is. Like, reading T. Kingfisher and not Ursula Vernon is like, hey, have you heard about this Richard Bachman guy? I'm, I'm reading The Running Man. Pretty good. This, this guy's pretty good. Um, and so The Twisted Ones is about uh, this uh, this lady who goes out to the country to uh, clear out um, her hateful, hateful dead grandmother's house. And she sort of, it's, it's I think, it's a very, very slow burn horror. Uh, but what's I, the thing that I love about it is that it... Um, it sneaks up on you because it, uh, you think that it's slow and that nothing is happening while it's describing all this stuff. And then when the story picks up, everything that uh, that uh, they that she's been setting up uh, in, in the narration just comes to bear at the exact same moment and you realize what you've been reading the whole time and it's just, oh, Jesus! Like, I, I, love, I love reveals like that because I feel like there are a few uh, kinds of reveals and one of them is the oh shit reveal where it's, just surprising, and then there's the what the fuck reveal, which makes no sense. And then I think my favorite reveal is the of course reveal, where when everything comes together, you're like, that is obviously what's been happening this whole time, and I am a fool for not having seen it. I'm sorry. I'm really angry because someone already made a Richard Bachman rules shirt in the Monster <laughs> Squad font. I'm so <laughs> mad that I didn't get to, like... Make that the first rank and file t-shirt. Man, we could have been on the bottom floor of a Richard Bachman rules (laughs) t-shirt. God damn it. This is, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to die. I'm going to die bitter about it. We could have been contenders. Um, But it's, you know, T. Kingfisher, like, I don't know. The Twisted Ones has this thing where, like, the, there's this one thing in it that's described as, like, a, a, a pig with a head that's a wasp's nest. 
Ooh. And it's just, it, there's so much of it that's just like upsetting nature horror, and I am uh, deeply into it. What uh, what ghoul shit have you been uh, consuming? It's been, by the way, I feel like we should acknowledge, it's been about a month since we were able to do a podcast because of stuff that's been going on in both of our lives. Yeah, um, we've had a lot of um, upheavals in, in yep. family life. Everything's fine now, but, you know, thank you for being patient with us. We're trying to get the um, Patreon back in order. We've kind of fallen behind on that. Mm-hmm. Um, pack, care packages will go out probably in March now instead of February because it's been a tough month. We apologize mm-hmm. for that. If you want to change your pledges, we totally get it and we will not be offended, but we will yeah. get stuff back. Oh, and while I am talking about this, I have a plethora of garbage uh, pale kids cards and Mars Attacks cards. So if anyone uh, who wants bonus content, you don't have to be the $25 patron, but if anyone wants one and you are a Patreon backer, shoot us your mailing address on Patreon and we'll get those uh, and some other treats in the mail to you. Hell yeah. And and once again, like I feel really... I, I love that we're like, getting back into the swing of it and that we're able to do that. Like It's been... I, I really I really miss doing this podcast. Um, so I, I guess I'm extending to the last uh, the month. Uh, what ghoul shit generally in the last month have you been uh, into? Well, listen. Um, the, the new Wargroove DLC just came out. Are you familiar oh. with Wargroove? No, what is this? It is the cutest medieval war game you have ever imagined so it's basically advanced wars do you recall advanced wars from the game boy advance no what is this so this is one of those things where either advanced wars has like such a rabid cult you either know about it or you have never heard of it so Mm -hmm. it was a tactical rpg where you move little cutesy tanks across a map and like annihilate a you know, world power of maybe fascism. He had Shit. a beard, so I'm going to just say he's a despot. So anyway, <laughs> so like the undead faction, which is all skeleton, basically army of darkness villains. Um, the dead one, eyes, of yeah. the, one of the commanders is a vampire and she could like do giant force waves and knock people over. One of the commanders is a, Valkyrie made out of patchwork, so she's got <laughs> like a Frankenstein face. And um, the best is the hero faction. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the commanders is a dog named Caesar in battle armor. Fuck yes, he's That's a great really... Pyrenees, and his power is to inspire. <laughs> so when you use his special power, everyone mm-hmm. around him like pets him, and they get bonuses. <laughs> You really buried the lead here. Like that's all you had to say was that the leader is a dog in battle armor, and petting him gives you it gives you buffs. To be fair, he is all over the box and also on the cartridge. <laughs> he is the cartridge. Of yes. So he's yeah he's front and center. This is also this makes me think of uh, T K uh, T Kingfisher and the Twisted Ones that like the main character has a dog named Bongo and <laughs> Bongo is a coonhound and he is a very good boy and. I think a thing that I love is um, pieces of, of, of uh, art that sort of... You can tell that the writer has a deep understanding of dogs and how great dogs are. The other thing I really love is 
not only is there a dog commander, but every army has a dog unit, like warhounds. Mm-hmm. And even though the humans and humanoids, because there's also a plant kingdom, and the commander rides a battle stag made mm. out of flowers and vines. Fuck yeah. Well, that's so, so more groove. My favorite thing about it, though, is the humans and zombies all die. But when you beat the dogs, they just run away. So the dog does not die <laughs> in the game where dogs are soldiers. Shit. So I need to ch- I, I need to check out Wargroove, is what you're telling me. Highly recommend Wargroove for any platform. Uh, it's Fuck very yeah. good. I also need to get a switch. Um, yeah. So um, let's all right. Let's let's jump into the uh, the first movie we're doing this week, which I cannot believe we have not previously done this movie on the podcast. Uh, but the first movie we've got is a child's play from 1988, the original, uh, not the not the new one where Chucky is basically mean Siri. Yeah. And uh, so child's play, which is uh, streaming right now on Netflix. Uh, Quincy, how at what age did you see this movie the first time? You know, I'm gonna come clean. I've mm-hmm. still never seen it all the way through. Shout oh, wow. out to um, YouTube Kill Count compilations, which is a very oh, yeah. big thing on YouTube. Oh, Dead Meat. Uh, there's this guy who, does, I think his name is James, and he's he does the, the Dead Meat uh, horror, like the, the Kill Count videos. Yeah, he's um, a saint because he's yeah. willing to put these together. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, it Now, all right, so the movie, I gotta, I gotta point this out. I always forget that Chris Sarandon is in this movie until the first shot of the movie where you see him in, like, this full-on, like, knives-out sweater uh, chasing Brad Dourif, who has long hair and is wearing a uh, herringbone jacket. Now, as as you know, on this podcast, we are we are Brad Dourif uh, stands. We, we support and love Brad Dourif in this house. Um, I love how nebulous Charles... Like, all right, so Charles Lee Ray is... A uh, he's he's the Lakeshore Strangler uh, in Chicago, and he is apparently a serial killer, but also a petty criminal who robs places with his partner Eddie Caputo. You know, um, like you yeah, do. Yeah, they kind of can't decide on what his deal is, but they know that he's Brad Dourif, and he has long hair and he yells a lot. So uh, his partner leaves him to die during a, a police chase, and Chris Sarandon. Uh, chases uh, Charles Lee Ray into a, a, a toy store and shoots him. And, and what? All right. So Charles Lee Ray, when he possesses the Chucky doll, what's incredible about this? I feel like this is like a two in the morning phone call to the 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 voodoo god that lets him possess this doll. Like, can you imagine getting this phone call from a screaming Brad Dourif and just him screaming, "Give me the power, I beg of you," and you being you being like, "Fine, Jesus, let me go back to sleep." <laughs> um, and he's he just screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, so it cuts to um, this tiny child who, by the way, the kid that plays Andy Barkley in in the Child's Play movies, just cute as a fucking button. Just outstandingly cute. He's got a little mushroom bowl haircut. Like, he's just, he's adorable. And he is obsessed with this sort of, and now this is in 1988, and they're approximating the kind of, like, bullshit Care Bears merchandise tie-in TV show that a kid would be watching during that period. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a very 80s everything is tied in. And yeah. have you gone back and watched any of the 80s TV shows made to sell toys? 
Oh, certainly not. No, no, They're no, no, no. Unwatchable. He Man is unacceptable. See, and this is a thing that I think about a lot with like kids' TV shows from the eighties. Is that um, now? All right, I have. Uh, this is going to be a very silly rant, uh, but bear with me. You know who I bear a personal grudge against? Dave Pilkey, the guy that does <laughs> the Captain Underpants books. Over so during our hiatus, uh, I was in uh, Fremont, California, and uh, a tiny child had commandeered me to go uh, read their favorite books aloud to them. And this book series was like about a superhero lunch lady, as written by Dave Pilkey. I um, also was forced to listen to Dave Pilkey auto audiobooks on our hiatus. So oh, I'm no. right there with you, bud. Man, fuck Dave Pilkey. Now, <laughs> and honestly, I think it's like. Uh, uh, for writing a kid's book, the fact that he wrote, you know, he writes these books and, you know, kids love them because kids love fart jokes, basically. Yeah. Or yelling like, oh, I've got taco binoculars or whatever the fuck. Um, but I feel like just because a thing is for kids doesn't mean it has to be fucking lobotomized. And I think there are so many things that are for little kids that are smart and engaging and interesting for a kid like the the shows in the eighties that were meant to like move a few units and and sell a couple of like GI Joe t-shirts or GI Joe action figures. Why the fuck did I say GI Joe t-shirts? I think they had a different set of merchandise. I mean, they also had GI Joe t-shirts. Now the problem with that is that GI Joe is an indictment of late stage capitalism, so Wait, I what? can't exactly uh, follow you on that one. Oh shit! Wait, I, explain this to me. How is what what what? Cobra what is, it doing? is a pyramid scheme. Oh, shit. And the show is, like, aware of this. Yeah, so they're like, Cobra's mission of world domination is we'll just get people to join under us, and then they'll join under them, and then Cobra will just rule the world. Right, and you've got to buy your own body armor, and you have to, like, sell a bunch of munitions to, like, 20 yeah, of the people you know. and literally Destro is an arms dealer who just sells to both sides of the war he there's a point <laughs> where he joins gi joe and he gives them the fancy weapons and then mm-hmm. he d- does a heel turn is like just kidding and goes back uh, and joins yeah it's holy shit great. that's on I, I just that immediately makes me think that like if you're working for like cobra you've got to like uh you know you when you when you go home for the summer you're like facebook messaging people you went to high school with like hey girl was wondering if i could sell you i've got a great deal on 50 uh, rounds of ammo uh, <laughs> that uh, i want to i want to sell you it'll change your life you can be your own boss um also but- the gi joe comic books which were supposed to just simply be um yeah 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 we got to merchandise this were written mm-hmm. by vietnam veteran larry hama who is also a Japanese American <laughs> who is exercising a lot of feelings about the army. So if anyone tells Holy you shit. that GI Joe is super patriotic and um, apolitical, kick them in the fucking face because Man. they're lying to you. Fuck, fuck my drag. I, now I need to go back and look back at GI Joe because apparently they actually like uh, uh, examine the military industrial complex. Yeah, it's all about examining the military industrial complex. Holy shit. Well, and also, so, um, fire safety. Oh, always important. But you know what? Fuck the snorks. I'm not watching the snorks. <laughs> um, and so uh, Andy Barclay is obsessed with the good guy dolls, and he 
Uh, so what what he also does at the top of this movie is that, and it's very sweet because it's Andy's birthday, and for his birthday he's like making his mom breakfast in bed. And also he is a tiny child, so he doesn't really get how like making breakfast for someone works. So he's just like slopping butter into a bowl of cereal and like just sort of like whatever. And he's like, "Hey, I made you breakfast in bed." And she's like, "Yeah, that this is this is great. Thank you, Andy." Um, it, and it so she reminds uh, me a lot of um, the breakfast food that the kid in Jack Frost, the horror movie, not the Michael Keaton movie, <laughs> makes. <laughs> Which has actual antifreeze in it because that becomes a plot point later. Holy shit! Honestly, I haven't. I I've, I've never seen the Michael Keaton Jack Frost because I've just seen the Evil Snowman movie so many times. Yeah, me too. Um, Same. Yeah, yeah. And and so uh, she gets him a good guy doll by like buying it off of some random homeless guy in an alleyway in Chicago, which. This movie Chicago's harder than any movie has ever Chicagoed. <laughs> like it, it is, it is everywhere in this movie. The simple fact that it's not just the such it's the North Shore killer. It's like oh yeah, because oh, Chicago. Yeah. It's incredible, and like you know, it's Chicago in the dead of winter, which I'm very familiar with, and it is bitter and frozen and cold. And I mean, and, and then there's bad. also that scene where Chucky kills that guy in a deep dish pizza. And sprinkles mixed cheddar and caramel popcorn <laughs> on him. Yeah, yeah. And talks well, and about the bears. It's it's fucking incredible. He might as well talk about the bears. Like this is Brad Dourif. on the Navy Pier. <laughs> well, and it's amazing because like it's it's Brad Dourif like doing you know his best Chicago accent. And he's a, he's a possessed doll, and he's you know, and it's just it's incredible. Um, so just a tiny Midwestern da bears, and he just approaches you with a knife. Now, and actually, I want to get this out of the way, because I feel like uh, a big critique of Child's Play that I've heard a lot of people have is that, like, what, but, you know, if you're getting attacked by a doll, you know, just, like, Pele kick the doll out the window, like, just, it's a doll, what the fuck, but listen to me, that's all well and good to say while watching the movie Child's Play, if you had a tiny, like, red-headed doll with a knife, voiced by Brad Dourif, face contorted, spit flying, running toward you screaming with a knife, I promise you your first reaction is not going to be to, like, coolly dropkick this doll. Yeah, also, he's got a knife. Anyone with a knife needs to stay a good six feet (laughs) away from me. Yeah, and, like, he doesn't even have to have the knife. Like, if there's a possessed doll screaming and running at me... I'm shitting my pants and running away. I'm I'm shitting while running away at full speed. Also, like, it's clearly displayed in this film series. He feels no pain. Yeah, yeah. You kick. Well, I mean, he doesn't feel pain until his body, until his soul has been in this body for uh, long enough that he starts like turning human again. Um, but up until that point, if you kick him, he'll just get back up again and keep chasing you with a knife. I, I feel like, you know, listen, I'm I'm not a tough guy. If uh, Brad Dourif possesses a doll and comes after me, I'm scared. I'm, I'm having a bad time. So here's something that I've got to know. Mm-hmm. Do we know the name of the Chucky body double? The actor that plays Chucky in the wide shots where he's running around and it's not the puppet. That's a great fucking question. I think my in my heart, I chose to believe that this was a puppet the whole time. Um, now, and here's the thing. The, the, the puppet special effects in this movie whip ass. Yeah. Like, 
it is so good. Um, the way that they contort the face and the way he is just out here, you know, going hell for breakfast, running around, stabbing people. Uh, the bit where, uh, so Chucky, uh, kills the babysitter uh, that Andy has by shoving her out the window because, uh, he's trying to watch the news to find out the location of where his ex-partner who left him for dead is, uh, and then later on he, um, blows up his, uh, ex-partner Eddie's hideout, um, and then later on, so Andy, you know, Andy knows that, like, wow, this doll is alive, but he's a little kid, so he doesn't know that, like, that's weird, that this doll has the soul of a convict, um, and he, so the bit of this movie that still freaks my shit out is where Andy's mom is trying to get him to talk, and then he just goes, and he's just like screaming and trying to like ch- like tear at her hair, and it's 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 genuinely upsetting to me. So we have to talk about the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. which is that David Kirshner um, produced Child's Play. And immediately turned around and made the pilot for Puchinski, which has, now that I'm thinking of it, the exact same plot as Child's Play. Holy shit. You know, you find a form, you find a formula that works and you stick with it, I guess. Have you seen the Puchinski pilot? No. What, are, what is Puchinski? It is the unsold 1990 TV pilot where Peter Boyle is a slobby Chicago police detective who dies in the line of duty and his body is transferred into, as Wikipedia puts it, quote, a flatulent English bulldog. Wow. So then he's a dog that (laughs) solves crimes. Wow. So they, this is incredible. So they did the opposite plot. Literally the same plot. This is incredible. And they have to specify that it's a flatulent English bulldog. Yeah, and it's like an animatronic bulldog puppet that, like, you know, it's Peter Boyle cracking wise wise guy jokes. Well, but did Peter Boyle, like, scream a voodoo prayer in order to possess an English bulldog? He didn't like, do did... it intentionally. It's like the dog and the cop were killed at the same time, which oh. is actually also the plot of Dave of a Dave Pilkey novel. <laughs> so that's this is, yeah, this is the apex of everything. So Listen, he, uh, the honestly... string board that I have in my living room behind me is wild. <laughs> Yeah, it's like full-on Pepe Sylvia, like, no, no, Peter Boyle is in league with Dave Pilkey, and I'm going to fucking expose him. Um, now, so, all right, so the uh, the movie progresses, and uh, the, the mom figures out that, like, oh, this is a possessed doll. Um, and the, the thing, a thing that this movie does that I don't care for is how long it takes everybody to get on board with the fact that there's a possessed doll fucking killing people. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, sure, whatever you say. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like, sure, you know, in real life, no one would believe it. But this is a movie, and everybody watching Child's Play is already fucking on board with the concept of a doll voiced by Brad Dourif who thirsts for blood. Um, so anyway, so uh, uh, we, 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 we move forward, and he... So Chucky finds this guy, John, who is uh, a voodoo guy? Question mark? You know. Like, he... Yeah, he, he, does, he does voodoo, and he apparently taught... Charles Lee Ray how to do a bit of the old voodoo, which, what the fuck? Why would you teach this guy how to do cool voodoo stuff? Like, he clearly has just, he's, he's the worst person who's ever lived. Like, I, I, you know, this he should have seen this coming. 
Um, but so uh, Chucky's like, hey, I got shot and I'm bleeding and I'm, I don't care for that shit one bit. And he's like, well, you know, uh, and uh, Voodoo John is like, well, you have to uh, possess the body of the first person that you, you made aware of you being a doll before your body turns fully human again. So he's so the rest of the movie is like, okay, so he's going to try to, you know, get at Andy Barkley and possess him. Now, what I love about this while he's uh, hunting down Andy and trying to get him is that he keeps yelling, give me the boy! Like, <laughs> I think anybody screaming, give me the boy, is just naturally fucking hilarious. You gotta do it. You gotta give him the boy. <laughs> you gotta give him the boy. Like, I can make this all go away. Just give me the boy. And so he... Um, which is also weird that, like, this movie starts out and he's just, like, a small-time... Like, Charles E. Ray is, like, a small-time tough, you know, robbing places with his partner. And by the end of the movie, he's just, like, killing people for funsies? You know. Just yeah. one little thing will set you off. Absolutely. Um, and he... Alright, so uh, as it gets toward, what, the end of the movie... Um, Chucky gets the shit blown out of him, and he... Now, there's one genuinely dope line in this movie, which is, uh... The mom and Andy have shut Chucky uh, into the, the fireplace with a screen, and, uh, Chucky is like, But Andy, I th But Andy, I thought we were friends to the end! And Chucky, uh, and, you know, Andy looks at him and just says, This is the end, friend! And you're like, Oh, shit! And so he torches uh, Chucky, who then is not dead yet, and so a charred, melty doll is still trying to kill this child. Um, it, it smacks ass. It's just fucking great. Um, so, where do you want to put this on our giant, <laughs> giant list? Now, for those of yeah. you who uh, don't recall, it's been or a while. Or just tuning in. We have 444 movies on this list. With Night of Something Strange being the worst film we have ever seen, mm -hmm. and uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 74 as the best horror movie in the biz. I like that you had to clarify that it's the 74 original and not the Michael Bay produced uh, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw. Although, honestly, Which I feel like I if I think I listening... it's also on the list, or is it oh. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre like, beginning? Oh no! It's the, the the 2003 reboot is definitely on here. Um, which, if, if that yeah. were number one on anybody's list, I would immediately be like, I mean, I disagree, but I desperately want to hear the reasoning for why this is number one. Um, all right, so looking at the list, so uh, I love this movie in a way I can't totally explain. I think the Child's Play franchise is one of the most consistently good franchises in horror. Yeah, it's actually grown. So that it's so take another franchise that had a promising start, Hellraiser. Oh, sure. And look at the way that that occupies both the top and bottom half of this list. <laughs> Actually, well, there's a couple of franchises that do that. Um, mm -hmm. But really, you know, only franchises like Scream and Child's Play kind of know what side their bread is buttered on, and kind of. Yeah been consistent in that yeah exactly and I, I feel like also with child's play like it's one of those movies that like sort of knows what it's about and you know it's sort of like don it's don mancini's vision that he sort of i don't know i feel like the weakest entry in this fucking franchise is probably the third one where andy goes to military camp as a teenager um and you still get andrew robinson who plays garrick on deep space nine as like a perverted barber um it's it's fucking great uh, but so all right so looking at the list 
I think, uh, off top, I think this movie is better than Final Destination at number 81. Okay, I think that that's, that's definitely fair. Now, mm-hmm. where it immediately sticks for me is number 79 is Ginger Snaps. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Now, Ginger Snaps, which is my favorite, I, I, I don't know, like, I think it's probably one of the best werewolf movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's definitely top-tier werewolf film. Also, A-plus um, coming-of-age movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. And and it's sort of the werewolf, like, sort of lycanthropy as, as puberty. Um, and it's just fucking great. Now, I think Ginger, Ginger Snaps is better, and I also think that uh, Takashi Miike's audition at number 80 is better than Child's Play by just a little bit. All right, so Child's Play is coming in at number 81, which is not too bad given that there's a lot of really good movies at the top of this list. Definitely, and also, and and for new listeners and returning listeners, I cannot stress this enough, Four hundred and almost 450 movies in on, on this podcast. <laughs> uh, our, our lives are a montage of suffering. So, um, yeah, why did we come back? Speaking of suffering and speaking of... <laughs> why we got to talk about high spirits next. Speaking of sometimes they come back. So high spirits... Now, all right, so high spirits so this was is on a... Prime, and frankly, you have to watch it just to like really parse out how wild this movie is. Yeah, so it's um, a movie that was made to be a sort of, like, ghost comedy slash, uh, what, kind of goofy horror movie? Yeah, so what's weird about it is it's a ro- it's supposed to be a romantic comedy. And on IMDb, it's listed as romance and fa- fantasy. Mm-hmm. But um, if you Google, if you Google it, the widget will say it's straight horror and watching it it really does become just like gruesome horror in the end of the third act of this movie is just upsetting wait so uh, i i assume the metadata on high spirits and indb is just like feet ghost feet dead people feet yeah yeah it's yeah yeah it's just upsetting the trivia um, is that um if you watch high spirits while high it's it's fun to watch which is also true i didn't watch this while high i i watched this while having a couple of drinks and it is immensely improved by the application of substance so um, so the plot okay so first of all neil jordan the director swears that there's a direct there's a director's cut of this film that's better i don't understand how that's possible no, no, no. Because so, it's the, pretty book wild. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. Just it's oh, so wild that this got produced with the budget that it has. Yeah. Well, I mean, it had the budget for, you know who's in this goddamn movie? Peter O'Toole, Daryl Hannah, Liam fucking Neeson, Jennifer Tilly, the guy that played Gennaro in Jurassic Park who got the eaten good, off the toilet. Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, Steve fucking Gutenberg is in this movie. Like, they... Fucking Peter Gallagher is in this as a priest. Like, they... I don't know how they did it. I think the biggest coup for me was getting fucking Peter O'Toole. Yeah. Now, okay, so the plot of the movie um, is that there is this castle out in the middle of Ireland uh, called... I think it's Castle Plunkett. 
Yeah, oh, and it's shot on location in a real Irish castle. Wait, are you shitting me? No, it's shot in that castle. Good for them. All right, so they somehow secured a castle with Peter O'Toole in it to make this movie. And really, so Peter plot... O'Toole's just hanging out in castles. Just gotta <laughs> find the right one. He didn't, he didn't actually know he was in a movie. He was just sort of hanging out in a smoking jacket. Um, and the plot of the movie is that, so he uh, is the, the uh, sort of... Uh, proprietor of this castle in the middle of Ireland and like tourism is down and they need money and so they hit on the idea of like what if we faked a haunting in this castle to try to drive up tourism and make that part of the attraction and um, wacky hijinks ensue and a group of American tourists which by the way how did they secure a group of tourists to come to this thing within, like, they decide to do it, and then a bunch of rich American tourists are like, all right, I guess I'll go to the evil castle in Ireland. Now, to be fair, we do get a wacky hijinks gimmicking the castle to be haunted. That mm-hmm. probably took a couple of months, so... For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good point. Um, we should We should cut to the chase. This movie is unbearably horny, and I don't know why. It's just Why is... so. So we first meet um, Steve Gutenberg and his wife Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah, Beverly D'Angelo's in the mix, and they're fighting because they're fighting. I I don't know. They're yeah. miserable. Well, they're miserable in a way that it's sort of like you don't actually need. Like the movie doesn't feel any particular reason to tell you why they hate each other or what their primary conflict as a couple is. But basically their relationship is that occasionally he goes, hey, and she goes, no, I don't want to fuck you. And it's just like they hate each other so much. She also clearly has a Valium addiction because oh, she's yeah. says, please stop taking drugs. And she's like, you've upset me. I have to take another. And it's like, okay, um, this is a serious problem in this relationship. Her her two major character traits are um, not wanting to fuck and being zanned out at all times. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's 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 a lot. Now Jennifer Tilly, the the the, the mighty Jennifer Tilly, uh, is in this movie um, basically trying to fuck a priest a lot so of the time. She shows up and she's like, "Me and my boyfriend." booked this vacation he's really into spooky stuff like sticking rods in his penis and gerbils in his ass and he left me for a dude who would have imagined so now i'm here by myself hey priest are you down to clown are you down to clown and the thing is that he's uh, played by peter gallagher who i i have a knee-jerk hatred of because of his character in sex lies and videotape but so he's he's playing a, a nice priest and he's like, yeah, I'm celibate, so I'm probably not going to smash. And she's like, all right, all right, you know, I'm just going to leave that on the table. We'll play around with that. We'll workshop it and spitball in here. Maybe you could uh, fuck me into a fine paste. I don't know. And spoiler alert, he does. He does, yes, because as previously stated, this movie just has a huge boner at all times. Oh, spoiler, spoiler alert. There's a moment in the movie where, and I believe in the director's cut, it's probably the case, where Peter Gallagher's character dies. He's yeah. dragged to hell by demons in the third act, and only in the final credit scene do we see him on the bus with everyone else. 
This movie has what I think you could call a tone problem. <laughs> um, really? Because, yeah, just, you know, a little, a little bit. Because, like, uh, you know, the first half of this movie is just kind of... Now, you've got... Now, this is an MGM production, no less. And you've got this, like, John Williams-ass score sort of doing the, like, you know, sort of the mirth and whimsy feeling. But, like, they crash a bus at the top of the movie and they're all about to drown. And the score is like... Da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's it doesn't know what kind of tone it's going for. So the fact that he gets dragged to hell by demons in the third act, like, sure, man, that's great. Since also, basically, it's... the first part of the movie is all of the fake ghostery is spoiled. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. And the, 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 the mummery. is like, wow, what a crazy night. Let's bone. And Beverly D'Angelo is like, no, and no. eats more valium than is humanly possible like god damn it now i gotta eat more clonopin and she just like makes a smoothie out of it yeah so she's she's catatonic on the bed and then daryl hannah is a ghost who in casual conversation earlier is pointed out is a tapestry on the wall of like the great lady of the castle Mm-hmm. And how she died centuries ago. and Because she, her husband stabbed her. Yeah, because her husband stabbed her. So she runs into the bedroom screaming and uh, Liam Neeson as her ghost husband runs in after her. <laughs> and ghost stabs her to death. And Steve Gutenberg's just like, hey man, don't do that. Stop emailing my ghost wife. Yeah, and he Liam fucking Neeson is in it's 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 wild to me. He um, also says the line Shitehawk Shitehawks McGoldrick. Shitehawks McGoldrick and he keeps yelling he keeps saying tup instead of fuck. Yeah, and it's just the, like the we... amount of times this movie uses the word tup is is unacceptable it's just it's so much now Um, do you think that's because it had a pg-13 rating like do you think that there was a version of a draft of the script where they just said fuck every other line of the movie they also keep trying to do this gag in the movie where peter o'toole keeps trying to commit suicide with a noose also, his ghost dad is like, son, I'm very disappointed in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, honestly, Peter O'Toole, um, I don't know how he got roped into this, but I think this must have been, like, right after doing My Favorite Year, which is a fucking great movie. Um, but, so, what, what, how, what, what does the movie come out to at the end? I'm really worried that what we've just recorded is incomprehensible to anyone who's not watched the film. So let me hit the story beats. Oh, exactly right. Steven Gu- Steve Gutenberg wants to fuck, and his wife doesn't. Yes. Steve Gutenberg meets a ghost. He feels bad for the ghost being stabbed and says, Hey man, chill out. Ghost woman falls in love with a human because it's the first time in eight centuries that a human has said maybe hey, not don't don't murder your wife on your honeymoon yeah she's like, like oh my god someone finally gets me <laughs> and now steve gutenberg who is sexually frustrated is now in love with a ghost i think yeah you know i think we've all wanted to fuck a ghost i think it's pretty relatable i love so, that so while steve gutenberg is trying to figure out the mechanics of ghost fucking 
Beverly D'Angelo wakes up from her zanned out coma and takes a shower and Ghost Husband, um, <laughs> Liam, Liam Neeson, Qui-Gon Jinn himself, gets in the <laughs> fucking shower with her and starts like groping her and feeling her up. And she's like, okay, I'm into this. Yeah, this is PG-13. And How for in the, the second time in the film... He says, shite hawks McGoldrick. Shite, that's his catchphrase, is shite hawks McGoldrick. And that's, so, yeah. If you're so, an action figure, that's the phrase he'd say when you pulled the, the string on his back. So, Gutenberg is trying to figure out the way to get to be with this ghost. He realizes, you know, hand-wavy magic, they gotta make a sacrifice or something. Mm-hmm. Um... Beverly D'Angelo falls in love with Liam Neeson. The other Americans try to exercise the ghosts, get attacked in the swamp by all of the angry residents of the castle who Mm -hmm. are mad that Peter O'Toole has mismanaged the estate so incompetently that they have to go in and fix it all which to ghosts is just kill everyone you know what they're right and they should say it like that's the only option you have this is the worst zillow zillow listing in all of county cork and And, now we gotta kill everyone and then we get to the most incomprehensible part of the movie as if the movie was oh yeah up until now it's, it's been pretty straightforward up until now which is liam neeson says come to me my darling and Beverly D'Angelo leaps into his arms, but because he's a ghost, she falls out the second story window to her death. And Steve Gutenberg is like, oh my god, I let my wife die because I was trying to get my dick wet with ectoplasm. <laughs> he picks up his wife's corpse, and it is actually transmuted into Daryl Hannah. So, surprise, now Daryl Hannah is ah. alive. And Beverly D'Angelo is dead, so now they're able to all live happily ever after. And the movie ends with all four of them dancing in the main hall of the castle and trading jokes about shopping and having wild ghost sex. It Now, you might be wondering to yourself, you know, this sounds like a slam dunk. Like, this sounds like a movie that sells itself. Um, that appeals to a lot of people. Why didn't it uh, become more successful? Um, it was a financial failure, Ryan. Yes, it was, and it should have been. Um, this this is this movie is sort of. Um, I, I I can kind of see what they were going for by having it like starting out with sort of uh, uh, you know like the people running this castle. It's all just you know mummery and chicanery, and these are. You know, they're 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 fleecing people out of money with fake ghosts, and then you know being surprised when like actual ghosts happen. Which it, it's basically the conceit of uh, the framing device for Books of Blood by Clive Barker. Hold on. Was that the motorcycle? I thought that was um, Tinkerbell, and I was very upset. <laughs> oh, extremely <laughs> bad. No, that was that was a motorcycle outside going going for it. Um, and yeah, so the movie ends, and you're left with that, I guess. They're ghosts well, now. Well, no, one of the they're ghosts human? and human. They traded places. How does that work? Like, how is Daryl Hannah human now? 
it true love i believe is the in film explanation that makes as much sense as absolutely anything else so all right so where on the list do we uh, do we feel comfortable putting um high spirits i am completely at a loss <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> this came out the same year as child's play i need to point that out oh fuck how is that possible this came out the same year as child's play I don't, I don't understand. That would be like finding out that like Burned at the Stake came out the same year as like Fright Night. All right, so looking at the list, um, I think uh, at number two hundred seven is The Devil's Rejects. I think this is better. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of really like this movie just because oh, yeah. it's wild. It is bananas. I also, I sort of appreciate any movie that has ambient horniness that upsets me. I also really like that it has the MGM budget of a late 80s film where the mm-hmm. practical effects are spot on mm-hmm. and the costuming is in the full mise-en-scene is so <laughs> good. Well, that's actually a thing that I love is when everything except for the script is great and the script is nonsense. Yeah, and that's what it is, is everyone is really trying their hardest to make sense of what was effectively a terrible, coked-out haze. Yeah, I think what it is is, can ghosts do cocaine? And the answer is yes. <laughs> um, which is a question, you know, it, it's sort of... Th- this movie's tone doesn't... I don't know, it's like being told a fart joke by a serial killer... Like, it's just, you sort of don't know what to focus on. It's like him tossing the knife from hand to hand, or... I don't know. Um, Peter O'Toole is doing his best. And now, the thing about Peter O'Toole, um, he's, a, I mean, obviously he's a great fucking actor. Um, he can kind of make anything look elevated. Not this, though. He does not elevate uh, high spirits. He's no. there collecting a paycheck, and God bless him for it. I, I do see that we have the Devil's Nightmare... At number 194. We had The Devil's Nightmare at number 194, which is also a horny people go spend the night at a weird castle and everyone fucks and everyone dies at the end because the devil? Yeah. Um, which I, I love the, the title because it, is it like, wait, so is this like a, a Saint Elsewhere thing where the devil is like, this is a hallucination before dying or something? Yeah. That... Oh, what a terrible night. <laughs> what a nightmare. Um, which is, yeah, so at 194, The Devil's Nightmare, um, I do think this is only slightly better than The Devil's Nightmare. Well, now, here's the problem with that. 199 is Venom, and the ambient horniness of Venom trumps the ambient horniness of High Spirits. Oh, you're goddamn right. That, yeah, that movie is extremely horny. Um, so, right below that is the Gargoyles, uh, pilot episode, uh, Awakening, the, the Disney's Gargoyles uh, animated series. Also th- ambiently horny. Is this the horny Man, part of the list? I think this is the horny middle. Oh, Blade is... Trinity is here too. Yes, it is. Fuck. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason? God's sake. All right. Well, this is, I guess, just where the list kind of takes a turn. <laughs> and it's kind of feeling itself. Uh, okay. I feel... Okay. I know it's better than Bloodbeat because that movie is incomprehensible, but not in a good way. Yeah, Bloodbeat is also nonsense, but it's unwatchable nonsense. Um, however, I do think, all right, so which is, Quincy, which is better? I know what you did last summer, uh, from, uh, 1997, or, uh, 
high spirits from 1988. I would rather spend a Friday night watching Sarah Michelle Gellar in a spaghetti strap uh, shirt from Abercrombie and Fitch mm-hmm. than watch Steve Gutenberg trying to fuck a comatose <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo again. Yeah, getting getting to see like Ryan Phillippe uh, chewing the scenery and Jennifer Love Hewitt doing her best. I would also rather watch that than uh, people trying to fuck ghosts. Now, don't get me wrong. Trying to fuck ghosts is a fine pastime and a noble one. Um, you know, we're we, I, I think we're a pretty open-minded uh, podcast. We support uh, all manner of uh, things that people might want to you know seek out for themselves up to and including um, fucking a ghost. So this is not an anti-ghost fucking screed. This is just that this movie uh, maybe didn't approach ghost fucking the right way. I don't know. Also, the European poster is Beverly D'Angelo literally straddling a uh-huh. ghost in a sheet. <laughs> Man, it, which I love that it's just what it says on the tin, like, hey, here's Beverly D'Angelo in Ghost Fuck, and you know what you're paying, you know what you're paying for. Everybody getting into this knows what they're what they're in for. So yeah, so I feel pretty good about uh, coming in at our new number two hundred and six uh, is High Spirits. So today I was doing uh, literary research, and I came mm-hmm. across the phrase gratuitously. Uh, Freudian, and if anything, <laughs> the poster for High Spirits is gratuitously Freudian. It it looks yeah, it looks like a perverted uh, haunted house special, which I'm just deeply into as a uh, as an aesthetic. So yeah, so uh, two oh six, uh, Quincy. Where can our listeners find us on the internet? Oh man, we have a lot of accounts that aren't uh, consistently used. So. Right. The best place to find us is at our website, rankandvile.com, on Twitter, rank at rankandvilecast, on Instagram, at rankandvile, or just shoot us an email uh, at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd sure appreciate it if you could give us a, a rating on your podcast app of choice. We're on uh, Stitcher. We're on spotify we're on apple podcasts we're on pretty much everything that you mm-hmm. you use so All matter of places word of mouth or a thumbs up or a five-star review or a one-star review whatever you want to give us we'd appreciate it again yeah, it really- we're on patreon at patreon.com slash rank and vile uh, your money helps pay for hosting fees and also to do nice things to your for our listeners, like paying for postage, and also um, and garbage pail kids, get garbage pail kids cards, and also helps us That's pay for our bills and uh, <laughs> equipment. Yep, it, yep, always a good thing. Um, but yeah, that is about all I got. Do you have anything else? Just say spooky, y'all. Later, folks.